Hello again, friends. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast, the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And there are so many ways you can listen to the Geek Down Podcast. So many. First and foremost, well, we mean two. But that's two. Hey, more options than one. (laughs) We are nothing if not providers of choice, friends. And you have your choice of either SoundCloud.com slash GeekDownPod. Where you can subscribe so that notices about when our episodes go up come to you right away. Yes. Or iTunes. Where if you subscribe, the episodes just come to you right away. They just drop magically. Like Christmas elves. Sugar plum fairies and Christmas elves and reindeer. And you may be worried, friends. You may think, well, I don't need to subscribe because they're not going to be doing anything for like the next little while because it's it's Christmas. All my my other podcasts are going on break. Listen, fuck your other podcasts. Because we are tireless. The Geek Down stays grinding. We are in these streets. We out you, bringing you all the audio goodness. And remember, we can't really be your podcast of choice for trying to get away from your horrible family if we're not around for the holidays. We do it for you. This is for your benefit. So you can be like, hey, sorry, Aunt Janine, I can't talk about uh, something homophobic right now because I have to go listen to a very important podcast. Sorry, Uncle Marv. I'd love to sit and listen to you tell me why Trump is actually going to build the wall, but I have a very important podcast to go listen to. See? See? We do it for you. Before we get too far into the program, Kate, I want to give a, I want to give a shout out. It's actually my turn to shout somebody out. Oh, okay, George. I, <laughs> I was doing some business on the old uh, on the old Geek Down SoundCloud. Yeah, you know, just editing the playlist, making sure things were in the right order and whatnot, and had a look at the stats. And I need to give a shout out to uh, a SoundCloud user by the name of Luna Nightingale. Hi, Luna. Because man, I hope you're a real person, Luna, because she's listening to everything. Well, I mean, thank you for listening. Crazy, crazy stats from Luna Nightingale. So, shouts to you. Thank you for listening and, um, and, and for supporting us. While we're on that subject um, of shouting people out, mm-hmm. thank you, Misha Hanman of Toronto, Ontario. Um, you pointed out that I made a terrible mistake and while talking about Little Women, did not mention that the best of people, uh, Ren Hanman, who lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, was actually in that movie. What? Yeah. Uh, she was a uh, did some child acting and was in apparently a scene where she walks on a wall. Once I remember we, we watched the movie and tried to find her. Walks on a wall? Yeah. She's just she's like a group with a group of kids and she's like walking on a wall. Not vertically. <laughs> what? Do you understand why that phrase sounded a little odd? Sorry. On top of like a short a short wall. wall. Okay. Um, it's balance, not the Matrix, it's Balance Little Women. Bean styles. I was like, well, I'm, I, I watched the wrong movie, apparently. And I didn't even mention that, so I, I'm very sorry. And Misha, thank you very much for listening and catching me up on my mistakes. And Misha did that on our Facebook group, which is at... www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. It's the best way to contact us, talk to us, tell us what our mistakes were, let us know why you think we are wrong and awful and horrible. Um, I'll let Jordan filter those ones. Or don't. Or why you think we're amazing and splendid and wonderful and why you love listening to us. More of that. Um, And if you'd like to do that on our iTunes page, that'd be great. Yes. Because they don't give us any information about how many listeners we have, where they're from, their names. Like, we wouldn't know about Luna if it wasn't for SoundCloud. Listen, your BFFs are starting 
initial discussions about what year two of the Geek Down is going to look like. There'll be, there'll be a little bit of changes. And some the more changes. the more information, not even changes, just you know, some stuff we're trying. And the more information we have, the better that may go for us. Yeah. So. So we'd, we'd really like to hear from you if give you us, have some time over the holidays. Give us the rate and review. Yeah, you're going to have time. If I'm going to have time to start like, you know, 15 fake accounts on iTunes to just pick up our <laughs> podcast, then you have time to do it legitimately. Anyway, whew, how you doing, Kate? I'm good. Hey, it's snowing. It is snowing. It's we the have first our snowfall of the year. First legit snowfall. Um, and I kind of need it because I got to tell you, Kate, I'm not I'm not quite in the spirit this year. It's taken a while to get to me. What? With all the Christmas goodness I have given you to watch? <laughs> Little Women? Other yeah, things? E- even though we booked a special like Christmas episode, we've yeah. like inadvertently <laughs> been giving like stuff tangentially connected to christmas for like the past like three weeks well i have yours have been a little less christmas no this week i did this week yes this week yeah this, this week, week was exceptionally christmas very christmas um but i think i figured out what it is i have not had any music in my life yet oh because at major canadian retailer yeah normally the playlist is just nothing but nothing but christmas music and it goes like all night this year it has not like, the Christmas music has been filtered out between the hours of, like, you know, 10 and 8 in the morning. Right. So I haven't really heard anything. I haven't heard my Vince Guaraldi yet. I haven't heard Oof. some... <laughs> the joke at work has always been um, the song I never heard before until I was... Uh, until it started showing up on the playlist at work. Santa Claus got stuck in my chimney. <laughs> I think I may have heard this one. Santa Claus got stuck in my chimney. Stuck... Yeah. <laughs> but I, I will... I will dance poorly kind of like tracy morgan in that old uh it's kind of like a fat guy bounce back and forth and i refuse to work while the song's on right. <laughs> stupid matt will be like hey jordan can you can you can you go take the garbage out in a minute matt <laughs> somebody was like have you heard your favorite yet and i'm like no i haven't it, it it's appalling to think that you know us you know burly box slingers yeah at work are kind of like we might have to pick a night where we put like the Spotify playlist on just so we get some Christmas music. Some you should talk fucking to cheer up in here. Head office about that. <laughs> That's for Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I gotta do something. I gotta add Charlie Brown Christmas back on my iPhone or something. I gotta See, get some cheer up in here. Like I really like Christmas music, but there are some songs I absolutely cannot stand. That's a fun topic. What's your What's your worst? Um, the one I hate the most is the date rape song, which I brought up, which Key and Peele did a great version of. Um, I also don't like, um, anything that's too poppy. She was talking about Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah. I figure most of our listeners would know what she's talking about, but. It's a terrible, awful song. I feel like I was on early about pointing out that song was about date rape. I've been doing that for like six years. Yeah. And I keep on wrecking it for people and they'll be like, I can never think of that song now without thinking of you. And I'm like, I think that's a good thing. It's better you think of me than date rape. Because like. <laughs> Generally as a rule, yes. Caitlin McKinnon. Better than date better rape. Better than date rape. There's one of those little sideways, like, when you better run for, than, When you run for public than. office, that'll be your slogan. Yeah. Better than date rape. Oh, Caitlin McKinnon. She's better than date rape. We yeah. are off the rails already. We're 12 minutes in. <laughs> we are done. Anyway, what? You don't like poppy Christmas songs? You know the really bad poppy ones? Like, Claw My Eyes Out from, you know, the 2000s when everyone, like, One Direction does When they try Christmas to make a songs. contemporary Christmas song. Or like, NSYNC does Christmas songs. People give that NSYNC song too much of a pass. That's a terrible song. 
your generation gives that song way too much of a pass. There are, what I like is I like classic Christmas stuff, and I like good remakes of classic Christmas stuff. And I'm trying to think of any recent Christmas songs where I'm like, that's a good Christmas song. I don't remember a good... Oh, Oi to the World, which would be more of a... <laughs> That's you. you have just placed yourself in time indefinitely. Uh, Everything a, you need to know about Caitlin McKinnon a no doubt is in that selection right there. Um, early No Doubt, too. Very early No Doubt. That's a good song. I'm trying to think, what, what else is recent? Like, what's a recent Christmas song that someone's made from scratch? <sighs> Fairytale New York, perhaps, which I always say is my favorite. Which the Pogues. The Pogues, Fairytale New York. You don't know that one? I probably, if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that one. Scum, you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot. Happy Christmas, your ass, and pray God it's our last. No? No, no, definitely haven't heard that one. That I did, have not, have not um, heard that one. It's actually a beautiful song, despite those lyrics. But um, I actually did some blog posts about this once. I'm just checking them up right from, now. From from where? Where did you, where did you do the blog posts? Oh, just for myself. I, I've never mentioned my I've never mentioned my website on this podcast ever. No. Uh, it's poetryforgravediggers.com. It's a fantastic website, it's and my, it's got fantastic posts this on is it. It's my little website that hasn't been updated since the last time I did my best songs of the year in 2015, but hey, I have a podcast now. <laughs> so I said, Fairytale New York was my favorite Christmas song ever. Uh, the Vince Guaraldi O Tannenbaum, which I think gets mentioned on a, on a subsequent episode that we've already recorded. You'll yes. hear more about that. Stay tuned, friends. Um, I, I always forget that we've done these things. I keep on wanting to be like, in the last episode. Like three weeks ago, we were talking about Christmas, and we're like, out of it. Um, oh, do you know the the Vanessa Williams rendition of What Child Is This? It's a very smooth jazz version of... No, I don't think I do. Um, it's I love that one. Uh, the James Taylor, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which I also mentioned on the on next week's episode. Yes. About how nothing makes you want to kill yourself at Christmas more than James <laughs> Taylor singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, oh, and What Do You Do in New Year's Eve is one of my favorite carols um, as well. Oh, oh, you know what? I do have a favorite song i think it's from the 80s early 90s um it's the one about she keeps on her and that guy keep on missing each other uh throughout the year Mm. and then um they run into each other on like the last day because she wants to spend sort of the holidays alone and just have time to herself and they both forget cranberry sauce this is a very rich narrative. I've never heard this, like, this song before. Yes, you have. You definitely have. And the ending line is like, oh, you forgot cranberry sauce, too? Um, <laughs> it's a great song. And I am now going to have to use Radio Magic to figure out what the name is because I need to share it. With BRB. It's The Waitress's Christmas Wrapping. Never heard of it in my life. You definitely have. Every radio station plays it at least a couple times. But it only gets played you know, this time of year. Uh, I don't know any other waitresses songs, but I know that one. <laughs> Shouts to the waitresses. I also, the subsequent year, after naming my favorite Christmas carols, uh, named my least favorite. Yeah. The following year, uh, Jingle Bells. Just like Jingle Bells in general? If you're past like eight years old, fuck Jingle Bells. I, I like Jingle Bell Rock. Is, is, that, is that good? Yeah, only the Hall Oates version I'll go with. <laughs> uh, the Date Rape Song. Uh, I apparently went in on All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. I don't know. Why Why did I do that? I don't know. I mean, it's oh, not... I think I, oh, I said it's just a pop song wearing a Santa hat. It's like... Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, but it's in Love Actually, so... That is... No. <laughs> that is no. We're not... We don't need to... You know, I've never seen that movie and probably never will. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Join us next year <laughs> when Jordan gets forced to watch... Uh, the porno movie um 
I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. I fucking hate that oh, song. Oh, that's a, that's a terrible song. And I specifically went in on the Chris Brown rendition of This Christmas, originally written and performed by Donny Hathaway, because you didn't have to. Well, that's how I feel about most <laughs> new pop versions of Christmas songs. Like, listen you didn't to, have to. Listen to Donny Hathaway sing, and then who? why would you ever think, oh, I can do that better? No, you can't. Yeah. So just don't. Anyway, that's a it's Carol chat with <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Kate. Kate. Um, now, I, to, I, do we have other news? How's your shopping going? Are you put a, put a dent? No, you're about as good about as good well, as I am. Here's the other, everyone always asks that, right? That's part of the see. You know, usually when you have the the whole code of talking to people and you say, "Hey, how are you?" <laughs> Conversational like, conventions. Yeah, and someone's like, "Oh, good. How are you?" Now, because of the season, it gets like a new download gets put on, or there's an update. <laughs> there's, there's been a there's patch like, put onto your yeah, small talk, which is, uh, "How's your Christmas shopping going?" My family doesn't do presents. We haven't done them for the last couple of years. Really? And people were always kind of shocked. And I'm like, we're poor and we're smart about being poor. Like, we, we don't need any other things. My mom's always going to get my sister and I some stocking stuffers. But my sister and I don't buy each other presents because what am I going to get her that she's not going to do a better job of getting herself? <laughs> it, like, it's just not going to happen. So we might as well just, instead of spending 20 bucks on a gift that I don't know someone's going to like in my family, I'm just, and them doing the same, we're just going to save our money and then, you know, put it towards paying off our credit cards. Uh, the thing for me is that, like, I think that's the thing for, like, a lot of people. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to buy for, like, you know, my cousins and my in-laws and all that stuff. It's me and my folks at this point, right? Like, right. it's Your man is still single. He's not buying for, like, a girlfriend or anything. So I find friends to buy for, <laughs> like... So that's I, I choose I choose my family. So and kind of like the people I do buy for are a couple of my friends. They're mm. really close. Shout out! I don't I don't think they listen, but shout out to like Jeff Deirdre and Naomi. Um, Why the fuck aren't Jeff Deirdre and Naomi listening? Because they are very busy human beings, and maybe they don't like the show. Some people may not like the show. Jordan. How dare you? Yeah. Why are you ruining Christmas? Some people love it, like Luna. <laughs> Thanks, Luna. But. You know, they are kind of family I've chosen. They're fantastic people, and we buy for each other. Um, we don't go crazy, but we buy some things for each other. But So when people ask me how my shopping's going, it's kind of this awkward conversation about, why are we doing this to ourselves? We're <laughs> poor. Stop. Everyone just stop. Um, or, you know, I'm all for people doing, like, smaller Christmases because it takes the stress out of it. Yeah, so I really... It's, uh... This is your first year you've made the cut, so shouts to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I was really surprised <laughs> yeah. when you sort of mentioned something last week. I was like, oh, Jesus. Only because I saw, like, the most perfect thing. And I, if we've decided that we're going to do it in the new, that I'm going to give it to you in the new year, I, then you will open it on mic because it's it's that perfect. I'm, okay. that, I'm that confident. All right. I'm excited. Um, and then, yeah, you know, a couple friends got kids now, so maybe I'll buy something for their kids. But, like, I don't, yeah. I don't go. I don't go that in. You know, my mom might get it. Mom will get like a sweater that she told me to buy. Like that's it. But I still haven't. I still haven't sh started shopping yet. Yeah, and and people are always because like, December's a three pay month for me. I don't know if it yeah. is for you. Oh, but... it is, Woo! and I am super excited. Like they uh, they sent out a notice at my work being like, hey, if you're part time, you got to like put in your hours early to make sure you get paid. I had like 17 sticky notes, and like it was like <laughs> highlighted in my journal, and there was like a pop up on my Outlook being like, remember to put in your hours. Oh yeah, and I'm also you know trying to make sure I put in you know the vacation pay. Yeah. Before I leave, before I leave, so. 
listen, it's it's rough out there, friends. It <laughs> is. It is. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why we don't do presents so that I don't feel you know, kind of beholden to spend more than I can afford to to hang out with my family and have a good time. We just bring food and you know, hang out and eat a lot and then have naps. Like, it's the best, actually. Naps are really the best gift you can get this Christmas. You just give me an opportunity to nap and not have to do anything, and that is... That is the best. Aces. Uh, well, I suppose we should move on. Some stuff actually happened this week. We don't, oh, have, yeah. to fill, we don't have to fill the front half with, uh, with chit-chat. What happened? Well, I suppose the biggest thing of note that stupid Matt would not let me refuse to engage with... At work was the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer dropped. You wouldn't know anything about that because <laughs> Kate's not watching trailers. In the new year. Kate's not watching trailers in the new year. Oh, honey. <laughs> I've watched well, all was... the trailers. Oh. <laughs> it first started because oh, I forgot. That was, good, that was a good two weeks. It was Did a... you even watch Ghost in the Shell? No. Okay. That I didn't do because we had promised each other, but I almost, there was a moment I was had my finger hovering or my mouse hovering over the like play button. I was like, no, I can't do this. Well, what'd you watch? Let's let's go through the rundown. Name it. I watched, like, basically, I watched Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. I watched um, indie films in French. Like, (laughs) I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown. You just binged. Uh, (laughs) The ones relevant to our demo uh so yes spider-man homecoming doesn't look like it's hitting all the beats of your standard first spider-man reboot but a lot of them are there yeah um i i think they did do something smart and that they introduced him in a earlier avengers film and then and didn't go into the origin it's more about him being a kid and also being a superhero and how he's defining himself in that superhero world. Which I, uh, think is nice. I like that they lifted Genki from the Miles Morales iteration. Yeah. Seems to be him. I'm assuming a chubby Asian kid who's his best friend is probably the Genki character. Yep. From Ultimate Spider Man. Michael Keaton. I mean, I love Michael Keaton. This looks like a summer bungalow job for him. Like <laughs> it's cottage money. <laughs> yeah. Um and again it, it ends with him like holding a fairy or a building together or something i was like i saw that in spider-man too and also you really don't miss stupid matt had a real problem with this don't consider the fact that you've been watching this story repeat itself for like 15 years yeah it's brutal this is why i had a meltdown and wanted like at least change it up to miles morales like or spider gwen or do something different but of course people would just and by people i mean uh white men with nothing else to do um would have a meltdown about you're ripping our childhoods from our minds and listen trump is president they are they are feeling themselves right now if you think they're just gonna let you make spider-man black good good luck with that or a woman half black and half latino or a woman it's even worse I know. What's she doing out there fighting crime? She should be in the kitchen or something. (laughs) (laughs) Make some spite. Stand on the ceiling while you make me a pie, Spider Gwen. Okay, just about that, though, that'd be kind of useful. Like, if I could just, like, (laughs) get ingredients. You'd never have to worry about spilling stuff on you because stuff would fall upward. And I'd have just, my reflexes would be so good and flour (laughs) wouldn't get everywhere. Like, it actually. You could, like, web for for the cinnamon. Yeah. You gotta have that cinnamon. Sorry, Make Me a Pie is actually a South Park reference, and there is actually, there is a side bit of news, South Park related, of all things. Oh, not, really? Not that I watch South Park. So we all know the thing with South Park, and one of the things that has kept it so vital to those that watch it for the past, you know, 25 years or whatever, 
is they can turn an episode out so quickly, they're really relevant. Yeah. Still. So, there, I don't know what the story was about. I don't know what the episode's about, but there was like Ike, Kyle's brother. Yeah. It was like a screenshot of his like browsing history mm-hmm. and all the places he went and all the stuff he looked at. And like right buried at the bottom was crunchyroll.com colon Yuri on Ice. That's amazing. <laughs> South Park shouted out Yuri on Ice. Related to that, I think I sent you the screen cap, but we didn't yeah, talk about you did. it. Johnny Weir, figure skater Johnny Weir. Who I mentioned while we were talking about Yuri on Ice. And very out, proud, flamboyantly proud gay man, yes. Johnny Weir, getting on the Yuri on Ice train. He is... L- live and, tweeting his reactions. And you know what I found out from... I was telling someone else about this. Um, there are other s- figure skaters... There are a few, yeah. ...that are watching this and like they'll like post stuff about it. Um, one of them is like a... Because they're spotting people they know like yeah. in it. Who or themselves who are like I think this character is like modeled after me. This is amazing. Um, so they seem to also be having a really good time with it, which is fantastic. So yeah, I just thought that was cool that you know South Park of all places. I think Trey is actually like a super anime fan, borderline weeb. Like every time you hear Japanese on South Park, it's like grammatically correct, and it's right. Trey Parker actually doing it because huh. he studied it for a while in school. But awesome. anyway. Uh, Guardians trailer. How'd you like that? Like, there wasn't much to it. Uh, I Baby Groot is baby amazing. Groot. No, Baby Groot. I, we, you could just have a movie, and it would be just Baby Groot and the Adventures of Baby Groot, and I'd be <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a great film. I'm definitely gonna see this in theaters." <laughs> it's like, like number one box office. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if their plan was to always have a Baby Groot, but when we talk about fans influencing what directors and and um yeah i don't know that's interesting because that was definitely like the huge takeaway when the first guardians came out was people were like oh my god well baby a, groot. a groot was amazing b baby groot was just like mind-meltingly phenomenal like adorably phenomenal um and maybe they were thinking oh we'll have groot grow back but they had planned, Maybe they him, to planned be, him to grow grow up quicker than they then they might have slowed that down a bit this but i think it was probably a good move also just um there's a very last little bit of a scene um <clears throat> in the trailer i'm not going to spoil it for anyone who doesn't like trailers um or doesn't want to see it but it it made me think that like the first movie all the characters sort of get a little bit of time to shine which is nice it's not going to be all baby Groot. um as much as I think that would be fabulous. Uh, so that's that's also part of what made Guardians really good, is everyone sort of had a funny line or a funny bit. Um, so I think it's going to be good. Still never saw the first one. I'm sorry. What are you talking about? How has this not come up before? Iron Man 3, I think, was the last Marvel movie I saw. Shut your goddamn face. <laughs> well. What are you talking about? I have not seen Guardians. I have not seen Winter Soldier. I have not seen Civil War. Why have you... Guardians is on Netflix. Yeah, I know. I what know. is wrong with you? Well, now, just because it spites you so much. <laughs> Except we have a show where we can make other people watch things we want them to watch. So, <laughs> very upset about this. Nope, never saw it. Well, we're going to change that. <laughs> um... Uh, you know, I said I didn't really have much news, and I and I don't really, except kind of two things that are awesome. I one dinosaurs again. People have feathers. Get over it. 
there was a feathered right. tail of a dinosaur found in amber, I think in Myanmar. I think that's where it was found. Um, in this giant piece of amber. Um, so anyone who's like, I don't know how I feel about that, you are just need to realize they look like chocobos. <laughs> like giant, amazing chocobos, okay? Um, Man, that'd be awesome. Right? And I'm not Clone saying... Clone me a chocobo. Yeah. Make me a chocobo science. And the other thing is, um, as part of the campaign for uh, Star Wars Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, they've done something where you can design a rebel flight helmet. Okay. Um, and I maybe spent <laughs> a lot of time yesterday designing Every my... Every time one of these marketing sites allow you to make something <laughs> or power puff yourself or make your Game of Thrones seal, you will, you will always do it. Always. Always. Hey, this is the these are the fun parts of life, right? Take some time, immerse yourself in the fantasy a little bit, get a sweet ass helmet, like <laughs> This is what life's about. Do you have a photo of it? Can you post it on the Facebook group I will for the po- people? I will post it on the Facebook. It's it's a little bit simpler than maybe some other people's helmets, but I like mine sleek and simple. And they're all kind of roughed up cuz we've been piloting. I also made myself have like a billion victories. Because, you know, it's fantasy. I can be a fighter pilot. Uh, Speaking of Star Wars in a much dumber regard. Yes. Did you see Dump Star Wars this week? I did not. What is this? Dump Star Wars. um, There was a rumor. And this also ties into the ongoing discussion about fake news that is everywhere right now. Yeah. We're just like, somebody will say something. Just say something. The geek down cures cancer. And then suddenly people start retweeting it because it aligns with their viewpoint. There are people out there who would love that the geek down cure cancer. So suddenly it's just presented as fact. Right. Um, a Twitter user who I'm not even going to say his name, but a Twitter user from the more right side of the political spectrum yep. took two sort of true facts and then smashed them together into something new and untrue. So true fact number one, yep. Star Wars Rogue One went through some reshoots. Yep. And maybe some rewrites. Yeah. That's the thing that happened. We don't know to what end. Jordan says it was to take all the punk rock out of Rogue One and make it about make it about hope and put the touchy feels in it. But we we don't know Caitlin what that was for. says that one of the cameramen had a lazy eye. <laughs> we don't know what the reshoots were for. Um, this tweeter decided to say that the reshoots were to put an anti-Trump message into Rogue One. Where did he get this idea from? Yeah. From the true fact that Chris White's, one of the screenwriters on Rogue One, Mm -hmm. and there were a couple other screenwriters and crew members of Rogue One, um, shortly after Trump was elected and, like, the safety pin thing was happening, post to change their profile photo to the, like, Rebel Alliance symbol with a safety pin through it. Yeah. And Chris White specifically made a comment that, like, the Empire is a white supremacist organization. Uh Uh-huh. If you know Star Wars... This should not be surprising to you. No. They dress like Nazis for a reason. Yeah. But this tweeter took those two facts and mashed them together and said that Rogue One went through reshoots to add an anti-Trump message and we should all boycott it. Hashtag dump Star Wars. That's all these people need to like start snowballing it. So for like a couple days, I don't know if it's still ongoing, the the right and the alt-right and the Trump voters have all been like, dump Star Wars. They're not, you know... Why would they do that? They and, don't. They don't understand America. They don't understand their audience. And the racists. And, and the racists. We can. We can just call the alt rights racists, can't we? Just, <laughs> can we just do that? 
Yeah, I'm really not in the business of trying to legitimize them. So yeah, the racists and the the misogynists. Um, well, they did this with the the new Star Wars, anyways. Which new Star Wars? When it came um, seven. Force Awakens. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, it's got a woman and a black man in it. We can't watch it. It'll make our eyes burn and our brains melt through our ears." And they were all like, "We're gonna boycott it, and it's gonna do really badly." <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? It's like the same people who said, "Like you know, boycott Hamilton after they were mean to Mike Pence." Yeah, Hamilton is sold out for like the next three years. You can't boycott Hamilton. They, Hamilton boycotted you. They they weren't even mean to Mike Pence. They yeah, just no. were like, "Hey." Please don't be an asshole. Yeah. Because we're black and gay and people of color. Please don't be an asshole to us. Yeah. This is still America. Yeah. You can't talk to an official like he's a person. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Good good, good luck. (laughs) Good luck with your fool's errand of dumping (laughs) Star Wars. Nazis and racists. And that's what I find a lot of times people who like love Star Wars and Star Trek turn out to be like these horrible people and i'm like did you get nothing from this science fiction was did it not make an impression on you at all that women honestly that's something and that's a bigger topic for a much for a special episode of the geek down later on but i mean this is the thing i butt up against a lot especially being an anime fan Mm -hmm. where it's like what am i always getting into fights with anime fans for about like you just fucking stop being gross why can't you realize that it's gross yeah and it does feel like the stuff we like, whether it's video games, sci-fi, fantasy, anime. Maybe it's because these people feel, you know, ostracized in their lives to begin with. And the shared interest that we have with those people is a much, you know, safer space for them. And when they feel that safe space being violated, it just makes turns them into bigger, has them, like, lash out. Yeah. But it does seem to draw, to a somewhat absurd degree, awful people. Yeah, it's so weird. But as we said before, that's maybe that's just because we're in it. And if you step out into like sports fandoms, or I'm sure you know, oh, sports, sports fandoms is way worse. I'm, I'm in a sports fandom. It's terrible. I'm sure, being a woman in the Green Bay Packers uh, fan communities, really. Um, it it's it's like it's fine if a woman knows her place, but as soon as she tries to get on a television show and talk about sports because mm. she's got like years of sports experience, that's not appropriate. <laughs> Um, or if she tries to coach something or be a manager of something, it, it, it's just not appropriate. Um, so that I sort of bump up against quite a lot. I mean, and I'm not even that much into it. Um, I don't go again. We know I don't go on to like blogs boards and, and comment boards. sections. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Um, but even just reading things in general that have been interested in me about either the Green Bay Packers or NFL football or sports in general, there are some ways of thinking that I find. I don't. I can't even call it surprising. It's just every so often I get shocked about the way people think um, because it seems so silly to me or or like <laughs> it's a generous way to phrase it it's just like yeah i i mean it, it's like when someone ho- holds such a different viewpoint to yours and you just can't sort of wrap your head around it like someone was rude at me uh uh at work on um on friday what yeah um why am i just hearing about this <laughs> Well, it put me it put me in a really weird mind space for the rest of the day because it was someone I had never I had uh, worked with through like email and I met them for the very first time. We not even introduced. I just 
knew who this person was and I was trying to offer some help about something and he just was very talked to me inappropriately and I was so stunned because it sort of had come out of nowhere that I was just like stunned for the rest of the day you should see me sometimes when I read the comments the rest of the day is just spent in a daze of like (laughs) I don't I don't understand I I just I don't I don't get it um my brain uh so yeah it was kind of like that well fuck that guy yeah and you know what screw the people on who are horrible on groups and and comments you know whatever if dumping star wars is going to keep you occupied from doing any more damage and you know yeah then do that and put all your energy going after going after women go ahead and go after star wars you know star wars will be fine you can't hurt star wars's feelings you can't you can't threaten rape and murder on star wars so just go go there go there go do that we're gonna go do something else for a few minutes and then we're gonna come back and uh, talk about the things we each brought each other the last format episode well not the last but the last one we're recording the last one we're recording for the season guys it's gonna be a fun one friends i think so and we will get into it right after this break Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. But before we get started, we have some rules. Yeah, we do. There are three rules. The first one being the rule of three. The rule of three. Which is the rule that if we give each other something that runs in installments of some kind, we will watch, listen, read, observe three of them. (laughs) Um, usually this is important for television shows because the first episode is usually a pilot. Um, but sometimes it, um, has to do with comic books as well. Uh, did not apply this week cause it's two movies, two movies. Um, the second rule is, uh, hashtag save it for the pod hashtag save it for the pod, which is just the rule that we will not talk about things that we've given each other. <laughs> Don't talk about the thing you were asked to watch, read, consume. Until we are sitting in front of these microphones to make sure the takes are delivered to you, pipe and fresh. Most of the time, this is okay. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's very hard to handle. This week, I think we were we were cool. We're pretty good. We've been at this for like almost a year now, so we, there are more than enough other things for us to like stand out over on Facebook, which we will get to. We will definitely get later to. on. But um, the third rule is not really a rule; it's more of a policy, which is there will be spoilers. Spoilers. Um, we talk up, go into things about the plot, about the backgrounds of stuff, the characters, the endings. So if you hate spoilers, just you should probably go now. Sometimes this is not an issue if we are dealing with television shows or things we have not completed because other plot details will come up later in episodes we haven't seen. Because we had two movies this week, these are two complete stories we have both watched. So when we get talking about the plot... We've seen it all, so there may be details that normally we wouldn't get to when talking about a TV show that we will get to today. So maybe the spoiler warning has a slightly finer point on it today than it would normally. And in both movies, I feel like the plots take turns and and part of 
watching is is being there for those turns and not mm. knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and really, honestly, like as much as we love you guys hanging out, you definitely need to take off if you have not seen these things. Those things being Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Tokyo Godfathers. And to start, we are going to open with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I gave Jordan. You surprised, folks? A little bit Did you surprised. see that one coming? Um, I was surprised that Jordan had not seen it. Jordan was surprised Jordan had not seen it, to be honest. Um, it is is a Christmas movie in the way that <laughs> um, the thing that we're going to be watching next week. In the way next week's thing. Christmas is not the point. No. It's just a story that takes place during Christmas. But it's a fun Christmas movie, um, besides the fact that it's not really a Christmas movie. Uh, I... I didn't see this movie in theaters. I think I saw it a little while after it, got, it came out. I didn't realize how old it was. It's actually 10 years old now. Uh, mm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out in 2005. It was directed by Shane Black. And as um, we discovered, and we both kind of were like, yeah, that fits. Shane Black most recently directed The Nice Guys, which was with Russell Crowe and uh, cute guy Ryan Gosling. He also wrote Lethal Weapon. That was his first. Yeah, that was his first thing, Mabu. So he's been doing actiony, mystery, uh, detective-y type things for a while. He also did Iron Man three. Did you know that? I did know that. All I right. saw that as well. Um, he was a weird. I remember that's the first time I heard his name. Was it's like Shane Black is doing Iron Man three? Seems like a weird, weird pick. Hey, he also uh, he directed an episode of Agent Carter. Did he? Yes, he did. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so he's a man of many talents, apparently also doing fantastic dialogue. Um, yes, he wrote this movie as well. He wrote yes. and directed. Um, so this movie stars Robert Downey Jr., um, Val Kilmer in like... Ya boy. In like his best role since... Uh, uh, since Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday. And Michelle Monaghan, who's been in sort of things... If you see her, you'll know her. She's one of those faces. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah she's been some stuff. That girl. Um, she was great in this movie. Uh, don't get me wrong. I just she's not as well known as Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. And this was a weird time for Robert Downey Jr. Because I think this was... It was it's pre-Iron Man. Yeah, it was, it was just pre-Iron Man. It's weird to... I mean, I have these in my notes for when we actually get into it. But one, it's weird and delightful to see him not playing Tony Stark. Yes. And also, I saw this on some fact sheet about the movie. He's in the movie because he was cheap enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane to think that, like, this movie had a budget of, like, $15 million. But I guess we're getting into it now. But Yeah, like, yeah. Do you just want to ask the question first or, like... Oh, no, no. I want to I wanna get into, like, other things before I ask you for your rating. <laughs> you want to get into the weeds? Yeah. Um, yeah, the movie... We always talk... We talked about it with Little Women. We talked about it with um, Practical Magic about, like, you know, movies of a certain budget and demo... That will not get made anymore. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. This movie had a budget of $15 million. Yeah. That's kind of nuts in the blockbuster ecosystem that we live in now. Yes, but I also feel that a movie that is kind of similar in make and feel in a way that came out kind of recently, which is Seven Psychopaths, I see. I still think a movie like this could have been made. Maybe. And I mean, the nice guys. Yes. He basically made part deux. To, he just made another... Same dude made another neo-noir type of movie. And I'm sure Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling both kind of took a pay cut because they wanted to do the movie. Yeah. The thing with Downey in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is like, he fit the budget. Like, yeah. he, he got as much as he could because it's insane to think he was at a point in his career 
where like he was a bargain at that point. Yeah. yeah. And he's amazing in it. I mean, you see you see a bit of that Starkian charisma. I guess it's Downian charisma. He's always had yeah. it. Yeah. Um in this movie playing the kind of like schlep. I don't know, do you want to get into the plot at all or Yeah, yeah. Um so Downey plays Harry Lockhart, um, who is basically a, a thief. And a, a bit of a scammer, um, and he ends up uh, trying to at the beginning of the movie. He's, he's doing a voiceover, and he try, he's he's wanting to dodge the cop, so he dodges into a, a audition, a, audition, and um, gives a really good performance, which is actually just him being in pain. He gets shot at the beginning, right? Or or his partner gets yeah, he gets shot at, and his partner gets shot and killed. Yeah, and the audition he runs into basically is for a detective or some somebody whose partner gets killed yeah and, and he gives a legitimate reaction to what's just happened in his life and, and because of that they basically are like you're fabulous look at that method we got to fly you out and screen test you yeah exactly so um off he goes and he gets uh paired with this uh detective named perry von shrike um who is call him, by his, call him by his name i'm not gonna call you call him by his name <laughs> gay perry um, who he gets partnered with so that he can get sort of background on what it's like to be a private eye. Um, Research, it happens a lot in in movies where actors will hang out with cops or detectives or whatever to kind of see what the process is. And... Yes, and Perry hates him. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely hates him. Thinks he's a buffoon. Yes, which he kind of is. Um, and while he's there, he also runs into an old childhood friend named Harmony, who is played by Michelle Monaghan. Yes. Um, and that whole dynamic is a lot of fun as well. And then the three of them together are great. Um, and then through the way LA works and like private detecting and noir movies, they kind of run into some trouble. They, they see some guys dumping a body. Stumble upon a murder, yeah. They see some guys dumping a body and kind of get swept up into this big, um, affair. Um, and so does... <laughs> Whether Perry wants them to or not, but... <laughs> And so does, um... Uh, Harmony. She gets swept up to an, into it as well. Right, because her sister, who she hasn't seen in 10 years or so, has come to L.A. Yep. For whatever reason, and has been, uh, her body's been found. She is now dead. It's being ruled a suicide. But Bye. neither Harry or Harmony are really feeling that, so they kind of, like, start investigating, investigating that on their own. And it ropes back into the case that Perry was working on, or trying not to work on, but these two idiots keep <laughs> bringing him back into it um, yeah. um and yeah it it's funny um there is a lot of action and some suspense and uh some great twists and i i really do watch this movie every year so jordan with all that in mind how did you feel about the movie oh i'm getting clap i'm getting a clap you getting a standing ovation for this one. Standing ovation. There's a record I bought recently. Yeah. Uh, by a French producer named Breakbot that uh, my friend colloquially known as The Kid put me up on. Okay. She played it for me once and I was like, this is really fucking good. It's so good. I'm disgusted that I heard about it from you. I should have <laughs> already known about this. <laughs> I feel that way about this movie. I'm disgusted with myself that it took you bringing this to me for me to finally watch it. It's a great movie. This movie was legendary in writer circles already. Yeah. Like, writers hold up, like, the first half hour of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as, like, that's one of the best written 
half hours of movie dialogue like ever done. Yeah. And I've heard this. I've heard this forever. Brian Bendis, I believe, the comic writer Brian Bendis, was big on that train to the point where he's, when people are like, how do I write like you? And it's like, watch Kiss Kiss Paint Me. Because that's all I'm trying to do is yeah. write like that. Um, you see why immediately. I can't even pinpoint a reason. I just tell, like, and my notes are just like things that I was howling during. Like when <laughs> the biggest howl I got during the movie was when they witnessed the murder. They have got, they're back at Downey's hotel. He's there with Harmony. I don't remember why. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to bang her. He's perpetually trying to bang her throughout the movie. They're talking about something. It might have been after the sister had been found dead or something. And I think she's still... Right, because he's trying to get rid of her. She's still there. Yeah. And he goes into the bathroom, and he's taking a piss. And we see the camera angle over his shoulder of this body that they had seen dumped is now in his bathroom. Yeah. In the hotel. And he turns, and he looks, and he sees it. <laughs> and, and as he's startled, <laughs> he whips his body around and starts pissing on the corpse. <laughs> So fucking dumb, but I was like, that's just such a gorgeous bit. Like, that's just so awesome. I don't even have any dialogue written down because it's so fast and so well written. And like, was this like Kilmer's last hurrah? Uh, I kind of like he did a couple things afterwards. He's been in things since. Yeah, but I don't think I think as far um, as like where but, he was like kind of taken seriously as an actor. I feel like this was one of his last. But th- it was at-bats. such a great role for him. It was homosexuality as a punchline a little bit at times and it i felt like it, it was got just borderline icky but not quite it was just before things started to change before the world got woke <laughs> yeah a little bit more woke um and there are some great points in having a gay character is fantastic um but at the same time like you said there are some things that are definitely now that you re- look at it are like eh, it's a little problematic because what they're trying to do is play off the like he's very masculine and very like Shane Black even said, I think I read this quote when I was reading the wiki about this movie, was like, he thought it would just be interesting to write a gay character that would, like, you know, kick down the door and pistol whip a guy. Like, yeah. It doesn't, being gay doesn't change who he is as a person. It's just, that's... His orientation. It's just his orientation. Um, but <laughs> there are some moments where he's, where it's played for laughs, like when they're caught near the end of the movie and... <laughs> and... For reasons, Downey is, like, getting his balls electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> tortured. And Kilmer is making cracks to the guy about, like, you just want to look at his dick, don't you? Look over here. Look at mine. You like it? You like it? And basically, he's got a derringer down his pants, and he's yeah. trying to get the guy to look at his dick so he can shoot him. But <laughs> just so stupid to say. You have to like noir. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's got to be. If that's, if that's not your vibe, if you think that's hokey, if you think voiceover is hokey, if you're not familiar with, like, because even the, um, there are, he spends four days in L.A. basically, and each day is broken down. You'll see, like, a title card. Yep. Um, they're all named after Chandler novels. Yep. Um, Raymond Chandler, the the creator of uh, Philip Marlowe, the L.A.-based, the classic writer of you know, noir gumshoe novels. So there are conventions in that style of writing and in that style of story that you will see here. And if you're not used to that, that may you may bristle at that a little bit. I am familiar with them, and I have greatly enjoyed them. I greatly enjoy reading Chandler's stories and his work, so this was just... Yeah, I'm just... Um, why why did Caitlin have to bring this to me? I knew about this movie. I knew it was awesome. 
even when the nice guys came out came out i was hearing it again it, you know what that sometimes happens when there's just you... a gap i just hadn't gotten to it yeah and sometimes when things are older and new stuff good new stuff is coming out all the time and you've got a show where people you know they give each other things to watch and you're watching that and you're watching your own stories as you call them you just don't have time you just miss stuff um and that's one of the reasons i wanted to give it to you because i i was so surprised you hadn't seen it um and i really love this movie uh, again like you said uh, there's something with the dialogue that's fantastic um and there's some really funny funny moments and anything that can make me laugh out loud i'm always it's so fucking funny i'm always excited about it is it is so funny just the way <laughs> kilmer is constantly berating downey and they're just the banter that those two will have together they just worked really well together and you're kind of sad at the end of the movie because you want to see what happens next. Oh, I could have spent, yeah, I could have spent another hour with those guys like, yeah. and been totally, totally fine with it. Uh, the closest comparison, I guess, if you're looking for tone or style or just feel is uh, something like Get Shorty or any of like Elmore Leonard's crime yeah. novels. It's not as, I'm not going to say it's like out of sight level, which is like a Steven Soderbergh movie based right. on an Elmore Leonard book. Sometimes Elmore Leonard stories, and Jackie Brown was another one that was based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Yeah. Sometimes works adapted from Elmore Leonard get a little up their own ass. They tell things out of order, and this did too to a certain extent, but this was almost kind of like like a more indie version of that. So they weren't trying to adapt anything. This all came from the mind of Shane Black. It's just, it's directed really well. It is written flawlessly. I immediately... Almost started the nice guys immediately afterward. I actually haven't seen the nice guys. Neither have I. And I've heard people who went to see it kind of like on a whim, maybe with no familiarity who, and I've heard, I've heard it's not as good as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but I've heard it's has the same sort of like, will leave you like hysterical. And it's also set in the seventies, which I'm interested about it's set in like the late seventies, early eighties. So I'm interested to see what he does with that vibe and i think it's set in like porno valley a little bit as well um um and i i did find that mr black uh <laughs> he made some effort to have women in the story and i saw that with the nice guys as well that like someone's daughter was part of that and there yeah. are these female characters i mean it, not as many of course as i would like because i would always like more monahan didn't have a lot to do in no, but she wasn't entirely story? useless either. No, no. And she had her own funny parts, chopping off his finger with the door, um, all of that kind of stuff was <laughs> was funny. And they were doing, I wonder now, you know, you, you see these things. So I'm obviously, I'm, I have a master's degree in, you know, community studies. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a PhD holder in loving all things community. <laughs> and they were doing like the Native American Joe Pesci thing, like. In Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yeah. is what they did in a few times in Community, where they called, uh, they didn't know somebody's name and they kept flipping races with celebrities. Yeah. And Abed gets called Brown Jamie Lee Curtis at one, at one <laughs> yes. point. Like, I was like, did I, did they lift that from, did they lift that from this movie? It's very possible. It's certain Harmon lifts things from everywhere all the time. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he lifted that bit. But yeah, just like the banter when he sees when he meets Harmony in the bar and he's trying to like hit on her and her friend's not having it and just like it's just 
Yeah. It's just so, you wish you could talk like that in your real life. That's one of but, the reasons I love Gilmore Girls. But it's not, but it's not that far. <laughs> I don't think it's that far. It's not Diablo Cody in Juno level. Like, right. people do not talk like this. <laughs> this is so overwritten. Maybe not in your life, Jordan, but. <laughs> Jesus. Um, actually, I was going to say uh, something that it did put me in mind of. Not, it's not an exact match, and it is an older film. But uh, The Thin Man is a black and white film. Mm-hmm. Um, it has one of the best duos of all time, which is um, Nick and Nora Charles. Oh, yes. And they are detectives. And they've got some amazing banter. And it's like, it's a noir style. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had, they have a couple of sequels. It was made in the 1930s and like 1930s. Yeah, like Infinite Playlist and things like that. What? What? <laughs> Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, yes, yes, like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Um, but no people, no, different thing. Um, though I think they are they are named after yes, Nick and Nora. Yes. Um, but it has that same kind of feel. Um, she in in the same way she kind of matches wits with her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Downey doesn't exactly match wits, but they definitely <laughs> match um, levels. I think they were a really good, not just um, ri- written, but they were a really good actor team to put into this. They both had the same kind of level of charisma and acting um, that I thought was very good. Every time Kilmore calls him stupid, there was something <laughs> where like, why would you say that? I just didn't want you to think I'm stupid. I do think you're stupid. You are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 do you know what uh, you would see if you looked up stupid in the dictionary. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> a picture of me? No, you'd see the definition of stupid, which is what you fucking are. <laughs> fucking, like, that's so... Yeah. You wish you could write like that. Like, and it's just so delivered so flawlessly. This movie is... is It's fantastic. It's, yeah, it's... So, it's a nine. That's, it's a nine. It. It's a nine. Oh my god! No, I know. I I don't know if we talked about this on air, but I know that you are never going to give anything a ten. You've told me that <laughs> you're one of those professors that never never gives anyone an A plus. Uh, this is pretty close. Um, but uh, I, I'll take a nine. I'm this really pleased with the closest. nine. Come the closest. Fuck it. I'll give it a nine point five. Nine point five. Oh my god! I I <gasps> love this. I mean, you, you, it wasn't much of a reach. I think you could guess that. This would have gotten no, high marks. I had no idea. No? Sometimes you surprise me. Sometimes you're like, oh, this is awesome. And sometimes you give something a bad mark. And then you get into something later. Like, oh, name all of the cartoons I brought you. <laughs> uh, Young Justice. Um, Tune in to December 28th episode to <laughs> hear more about that. Uh, Young Justice. Um, Steven Universe. Yes. Um, you know, so... and And I didn't know, like... I love this movie, but see, I didn't know all this thing about things in writer circles. I just like what I like. And sometimes I like things that you are like, why did you make me watch this? What's wrong with you? No, I just, I I just distinctly remember in like the letters column of powers once Brian Bendis, like he had just seen kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And he was like the half first half hour was the most flawlessly written thing I've ever seen. And I always remembered that. And I knew about this movie and I knew, how highly regarded it was. But again, it was like that fucking breakbot record. It's like, this is so, why did I not? Why, why did I not? I'm disgusted with myself. Caitlin should not have had to have bring this, brought this to me, but Hey, I'm super glad she did. Yeah, me too. I got a 9.5. Um, all right. So with that good news, moving on, moving on to another holiday, maybe more overtly holiday themed, a little movie. more, a little more. 
way back in episode shit, I want to say it was like episode eight. Oh Jesus! Going went, back way back. I went back and checked. It was it was single digits. I'm pretty sure. Caitlin watched the final movie from Japanese anime director Satoshi Kon, Paprika. And at the time, I had asked her if she would watch another Satoshi Kon movie, and she said absolutely. And I made a joke about, well, we'll just work through his back catalog as we go along. <laughs> um, one of my more favorite movies from him is 2003's Tokyo Godfathers. It was the third movie he did. It was written by Satoshi Kon and co-written by Keiko Nabumoto, who was one of the creators of Wolf's Reign and wrote many, many scripts on Cowboy Bebop back in the day. It is possibly Satoshi Kon's smallest film, Okay, in a way. It's a very Western-feeling Very, very Western-feeling. Because what do you always say about anime? And the ending of animes. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, and it just goes to pieces. And it just becomes about the universe, and... And, like, there's angels all of a sudden, and, like, God's there... This does not do that. It does not. At all. And it is basically three homeless people in Tokyo find a baby in the trash on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's your story. The three homeless people in question are Jin, an old man, drunk, kind of gambled. Also known as Geezer. Geezer. Gambled all of his savings away, has kind of told people that his family died. Maybe that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, Playing the mom role is hana a probably 50 ish yeah probably about that and somewhere somewhere in her 50s um transgendered woman and playing the child role in this weird assembled homeless vagrant family is miyuki a teenage runaway and they are the three who kind of stick together and have each other's backs out there in the streets of tokyo and they are recycling or i think the i think hana's looking for a christmas present she had found and set aside for miyuki yeah it was a series of books children's literature i believe and yep. they hear a baby crying and they find this baby and initially you worry that hana's a little delusional and wants to like keep this baby for her own yeah but no hana doesn't want to take the baby to the police she wants to find the baby's mother and yes. find out why why Wh- would you do this why would you abandon why would you throw lo- why would you throw love away and it's basically told over course of a few days as they try to find the baby who they named Kyoko's uh, mother. And it plays a lot intentionally with ideas of coincidence and chance and and the connections that people all have. I mean, on the one hand, you can be like, "That's so lame and hackneyed," but they're doing it deliberately. Yep. All these all these coincidences are in there for a reason. And yeah, it's just kind of a there. There are no dreams. There's no. Blurring of the lines between reality and no and dreamscape, all those things that Satoshi Khan usually does. He doesn't do any of those things in this movie. It's a straight up story. Yep, it is a story with a a middle, just a a beginning, middle, and end. So, how did that go for you? Um, it was great. It was really nice because it sort of started to snow while we were watching it. Um, and uh, it actually it made me tear up. It it made me laugh out loud at some parts um the the uh, the subversion i had i think was quite good it seemed to um actually sometimes you worry that subversions are leaving things out or changing the dialogue um there were some issues with the dialogue as we know there was a lot of the 
Yeah, I forgot how much Jin refers to Hana as a faggot. Yes, it is uncomfortable, but... Uh, the... And when you see that word written in a subtitle, it's like, oh, Ooh, God. And it happens quite often. Like, that is something that he perpetually calls her. Um, what I did, like, it showed you this sort of... Uh, not an underbelly of to- Tokyo, but definitely another side of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. When you think about Tokyo and you see Tokyo movies, you don't really get a lot of the homelessness vibe. It's and... glittering and futuristic and everything is put together and yeah people aren't living in clean boxes or in yeah. sheds you know um at one point uh Jin gets uh, beat up by some young men um for being homeless um which is very sad um there is a lot of you know some discrimination that's in there um it, it was a very interesting story as well as being a very nice story I really liked the storytelling. And again, it was also managed to mix in some tear-jerkingness and some funny bits. Sometimes Japanese humor is sort of over the top. Like that's, <laughs> Can be, yes. That's kind of where their humor leans. But there were just some very clever, humorous things that happened in the story as well. Um, my One of my favorite parts is at the very beginning, um, the, um, Hana and Jin are in a soup kitchen line. Right. Um, and she's talking all about her dream is to be a mother with a daughter and who knows what will happen. Maybe God will bless her and she'll be able to have a child and all of that. And the soup kitchen lady is just like, what? She makes a crack about give me more food because I'm eating for two. Yes. Thing, yeah. Right? And the soup kitchen lady is just very like, what is going on? And then you you'll if you don't if you weren't paying attention you'd miss it but she had so they found the baby and they're in this like bus station and she has this baby and she's cooing at it basically this is hana and the soup kitchen lady's in the background and she was like miracles do happen she was eating for two yeah um so uh that like some of that was very funny um their dialogue can be funny at times and interesting um as you find that there's you know a lot of stuff they're working out in their lives. And basically, um, you come to find out that they're all kind of homeless by choice. choice. Like, they think in a way they can, they part of them feels like they could come back, but really they could never come back mm-hmm. um, for different reasons. Uh, basically, it's kind of all, like, guilt or not find, knowing where their place is. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's definitely a very interesting story. And I liked all the coincidences. And, it did, yeah, it did some interesting things where i'm trying to remember all the details here one scene that i kind of really liked was so as they're trying to track down i don't know i don't remember what their first lead is maybe um it's it's the, it's the stuff in the stuff in the locker yeah they pull some there's, there's a locker key included with this bag that's with the baby and they go into the locker and they find some other things there and they're basically they're heading right that's what it is they're just kind of heading in the same direction of this dude who ends up having a car back over him yes and he gives they're all going in the same direction he gives them a ride and they're going to his daughter's wedding and there's a coincidence there as well that we don't need to get into but he kind of like invites them to the wedding as well you know hey have a hot meal you know whatever type of thing yeah it's a mafia related wedding it's a mafia related and the person who attempts to uh, make the hit ends up kidnapping Taking Miyuki and, and they the baby as a hostage. And they can't understand each other. This this hitman uh, is speaking Spanish. Yes. And Miyuki only speaks a little tiny bit of English. And 
at one point. So he t- he takes <laughs> them he takes them back to his house. You never see him again. He takes them back to his house. Well, with I was... his wife and child. And... But before that, I was seriously worried because you see at one point there's like sort of ladies of the night, and you worry you're worried that he's gonna like force her to have sex or like become a sex slave or something she starts hollering or, about that too doesn't yeah, he? Like, she's don't, like, don't sell me into slavery don't sell me into slavery like she's freaking out because it's some back alley and then all of a sudden the next shot and because you're like terrified that something like this is going to take a really dark turn there's a shot of his wife with her newborn and the baby they found nursing uh, both of them nursing both of them and tr- and then they're trying to sort of communicate And it's actually really nice because at one point through mixed up communication and not speaking the same language, they find out they both have fathers who are cops, Mm. um, which is just actually kind of sweet. It's just kind of like an interesting play. Yeah. Like this one woman speaking Spanish and Miyuki speaking Japanese and they can't really understand each other, but there's like enough there. Yeah. (laughs) Just Miyuki going, big boobs. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so there was lots of little things in the film that were really nice and were unexpected. Um, some Again, some of the dialogue was really good, um, which is not... I, I don't find in most cases that the anime I've seen has been very dialogue heavy. Um, no. Or like the dialogue... It's usually the plot has been really interesting, but the dialogue isn't usually that interesting. Yeah, because the the hook of it is usually... With anime, usually is the premise of the show. Whatever, yep. like, whatever, the, whatever the show is, that's what you're there for. It's not for like the emotional moments between the characters you might get a little of that, but they're few and far between and they might not be very well written. This is all character by yeah. and large. It's a little, you know, there's some madcap moments and a lot of chasing and running through the streets comedically, and but all I could think of while I was watching it is this would make an amazing live action film. Would I think it would make a fantastic live action film. Jordan, put it on the board. It's on, on the board. board. Hollywood adapt Tokyo Godfathers. Um, and I think the, what I liked and cause I remember when we talked about Paprika, we were talking about how poorly depicted the fat guy in Paprika was. Yes. And I'd said at the time, I thought that was somewhat startling because I remember distinctly the character of Hana from Tokyo Godfathers thinking that she was treated pretty respectfully. Yeah. Um, and then started rewatching it and saw how often she was called a faggot. <laughs> oh, Ooh, maybe, maybe not, but that's. Jin and Hana legitimately love each other. Like, there's... Is it romantic love, per se, on either side? I don't know. But, like, yeah. there's there's they definitely care. a bond yeah. there between the two of them. And Jin's just... Whatever. He's old school. Um, and even Hana calls herself in the same way that, like, sometimes older gay people will call themselves queens or whatever. Hana yeah. calls herself the F word a few times. Well, it was nice to see a depiction of... Even though... Um, it was more played up for laughs, not because she was transgendered, just because it was funny at near the end when they're trying to find, for whatever reason, they've, the baby's been taken by someone else. They're trying to find the baby, but all these different babies are crying. So she's like getting into people's faces to see if it's the right baby. And they played that for laughs. But again, it's not because she's transgendered. It's just because that's the kind of character she is. Um, but then it was really cute and sweet a couple seconds later when like... They do catch yeah. Kyoko's cry, yeah. and then you see them running 
without even thinking of stopping. They're just yeah. bolting because they know that's her. They have found her. Um, and but they do by and large treat Hana with respect as far as depicting her visually. She does look like a woman, uh, though she does have a very defined jaw and some other features. And then when you see she ends up going back to a sort of a place she started out at, um, and seeing other depictions of transgendered um, women. They all are depicted much more like women than, say, someone was trying to make them look, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Making them look sort of silly or mm. um, uh, making fun of them. I, just, I was laughing because you mentioned the cabaret bar, which is another one of these coincidences because it's the one place Hannah can go back to. It's also after Jin gets beat up, one of the other employees at this bar Fine. finds Jin on the street and ends up taking yep. him back. And that's how they all get reunited because I think they had a fight earlier or something Mm -hmm. and when this uh cabaret worker finds Jin in the street and like appears as like a glowing angel type of thing because she's kind of done up like an angel she's like do you want my magic or do you want an ambulance and he's like ambulance (laughs) well fuck you then (laughs) actually that actually made me laugh no this is an interesting one of satoshi khan's work because it is so straightforward and he didn't you look across his body of work, he didn't do anything else like this is the only thing like this that he did. Oh, sorry. Another moment. Mm. Uh, another great moment with storytelling. So they've trying to find, track down the mother and they find this house, but it's all burnt out. And the women of the neighborhood. So it just starts with one woman uh, talking about this. Oh, I wouldn't know, but maybe, you know, like Sheila would know. And then Sheila comes. Then it just every cut back scene, there's just more and more women until there's like this big group. Of- it's just kind of like an overdub of them, like telling the story of the mother and her husband, and he was a gambler, and she yeah. was supporting him, this and type of thing. And there was while, some abuse. And- while Jin, Hana, and Miyuki are kind of like going through the house and picking stuff out of it, you're hearing this overdub dialogue, and yeah. yeah, it'll cut back every once in a while. And there's more so and more of these more, older women. More, the hen house is growing. There are yeah. more and more of these like clucking hens, gossip gossip hounds kind of hanging out yeah so that was funny and they do stuff visually like that that's that's quite funny um there there's this poor cab driver that hana keeps hitting on and his face just gets more and more upset as she describes what her type of man is and it fits him specifically but the, the punchline is ultimately yeah. like oh it's not re- he's not really my type my type is more like you know the square jawed flat top hair type type yeah. guy who would have no problem overlooking when i don't have quite the entire <laughs> fair yeah and, and Hana's such a great character. Like, I just loved her. And then running into that cab driver again and uh, him being like, please just give me a break. And I'm like, go faster. He's like, fine. Yeah. And I like the bit where Hana keeps writing haiku, composing haikus. Yes. And it'll like, you get a beautiful wide shot of like the glow of Tokyo in the background and the text of the haiku like appears in the corner. Yeah. Um, just really sweet touch. I forgot how like kind of warm and fuzzy a Christmas movie yeah. This actually it, was. It was great. And I actually, I ended up watching it with Senior Correspondent and we both loved it. And I forgot how feelsy it is when, for various reasons, the person who they give the baby to is not the baby's mother. <laughs> there's yes. been some, there's some things going back and forth there. Um, and when you think some drastic measures are about to be taken, did it actually happen? Was it a hallucination? I don't know. But the baby looks at this woman who's holding her and says, I want to go home. And you're just yeah. like... Yeah. let's get her home <laughs> and again sorry another great scene um 
Hana and uh, oh, I can't remember the younger the Miyuki. Miyuki. Um, Hana and Miyuki are walking, and she's like, you know, I just want to get this baby home. Like, if I was the mother, I'd be about to commit suicide. And in the background, there's a woman taking off her shoes, about to commit suicide, as she's talking about this, and they pass the woman, and you're like, oh my god, this woman's about to commit suicide, and then they both stop and run back and get her at the last (laughs) second. It's like totally in the background, and it ends up being that woman that they. It is the quote unquote unquote, the mother's or the child's mother um, that they say from committing suicide. But just this, like, again, visually, they do these great jokes as well. Um, And it would and if you're not paying attention, you know, you you might miss something. But it was very, very good. Well, kick punches, kick punches, 8.5, 8.5. I will take it. Solid outing. Maybe the best. Maybe the best ending Caitlin's ever had to an anime in her entire year of watching anime on this program. Um, I would say, though, the only reason it didn't get, like, really, um, like, 8.5 is good, but the reason it didn't get, like, 9.5 is the visuals, and I know he was probably doing this to make a comment, but they were really dull. Mm. They weren't very bright colors. Everything was kind it's of a pretty m- dark movie. Yeah. muted tones, and I understand that he doesn't want to make things shiny and happy and bright because they're homeless and it can be you know stressful and grubby. And he's trying to show sort of this darker side of Tokyo. Um, but I still, it made the visuals a little lackluster. It's not maybe what one would expect from anime when or, you or paprika. Yeah, the, the same <laughs> yeah, director if you, as if paprika. you came off paprika, which is just like glittering. <laughs> sparkling neon neon glow yeah this is not did she get to the credits long enough at the end where the tokyo tower started bouncing in the background i just thought that no no i didn't get that i didn't Um, get that i'm gonna have to go back and watch that you need to watch the credits of shit more i know i know i'm sorry well 8.5 for tokyo godfathers that is i don't know if it's on anything but it is on dvd out there in the world um and kiss kiss bang bang is out there on not on netflix but i'm sure you can rent it through any of your online providers and yeah, good outing for both of us. Yeah. Capping the year off right. Well, updates. Updates. I told Caitlin, you have to get caught up on Yuri on Ice because I need to talk about it and I don't want to spoil anything for you. And I did get caught up and it was amazing. Born to make history. Episode 10 of Yuri on Ice is maybe, is easily the finest half hour of anime I've seen this season. Maybe ever. It It's great because unlike a lot of these shows, it makes you think about things that have happened before. Mm-hmm. And makes you, well we talked about this, makes you like reprocess stuff kind of. So episode 10, you finally... Get some stuff from Victor's perspective. Also, again, I know we've already talked about it, but if you for some reason thought you could come back at this time oh, and there yeah. wouldn't be spoilers, there are so many spoilers right now. If you are watching your on Ice, you've got to go. If you haven't seen episode 10, go watch get it. Get the fuck out. Yeah, go watch it. Why are you listening to us? Go watch it. Um, I don't need to go into crazy details about what happened, aside from saying that the end credits actually left me howling <laughs> um, from this episode, but you finally get victor's perspective on the story because listen this was sorely needed because i'm gonna put it out there victor kind of starting to feel like a fuck boy well i didn't know what his intentions were i didn't either i didn't know what everyone everyone else in fandom just seemed to really take victor at his at his word like yes of course he loves yuri it's like 
Does he? Does he? And like, what are his intentions? And is like, is he gonna abandon Yuri? Like, I didn't know what was like, going what on. Is, like, really? Why is he doing this? Just because you need inspiration? Blah blah blah. Lo and behold, what you come to find out is well, a love that there was like this was just like your pause episode, right? Like you got to spend time with all of the skaters. Yurio got his little moment making friends with the guy from Kazakhstan, like, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> and and defending his fans, his Yuri's angels, yeah, the, that <laughs> Yuri's he hates. angels fans. That he but, hates and loves and at the loves. same time. <laughs> JJ just getting shit on by everybody. Yeah, because JJ from Canada. Uh, Best Canadian in anime ever. <laughs> e- even Chris. And I know everybody hates Chris because he's yeah. always talking about coming while he's on the ice. And oh, he's really bleh. gross. But uh, even he was awesome in this, in this episode. Yeah. But what you come to find out is they're kind of all hanging out, having dinner. And there's a mention of this banquet that happened the year before at the Grand Prix yep. that Yuri apparently got shit-faced drunk at. And he doesn't remember any of this. And the reason why the end credits were so amazing is because the other skaters are like, how do you not remember this? Like, like we all have like, pictures <laughs> That didn't happen. It's like, bro, I got I got photos. There are video, yeah. There's video. Um, the end credits play out like the hangover where it's just going through the camera rolls of Christopher, Yuri, Yurio, and Victor. Yeah. By the way, somebody noticed that on Victor's phone. There's like five photos from the banquet, and then you can see uh, Makachin. Yeah. And there's four digits. You don't know how many numbers, how many numbers, <laughs> you don't know what the numbers are, but there are four digits. He's got thousands of photos of his dog. God bless you, Victor. That was the only thing that made you interesting before this episode. Um, but what you come to find out is that some of the things Yuri did while he was hammered uh, had a dance contest with Yurio. Which, which uh, Yurio puts it, before you see the pictures, he says, I got dragged into a dance contest. Yeah, bro, you didn't get dragged in. No. <laughs> you were loving it. He pole danced with Christopher. And Japanese pole dancers have gone on record on Tumblr, by the way, as saying, like, techniques were very good. Yeah. And there's just... <laughs> Somebody this, did research. There's this one picture of of Yuri standing on him, like, <laughs> on his butt and his back with the wine bottle, and it's just epic. And kind of very seductively ballroom dancing with Victor. Yeah. And then in the, as we know from the first episode of the show, when Yuri sees Victor at the airport, somebody's like, you know, you want to get a picture with him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Yuri just can't. And he just like bolts away. Now from this episode, we can go back and realize that like, Victor was probably wondering what the fuck, bro. Well, like, you, I thought also, we had something. That there's night. also not just the pictures. There's a little, you get one scene at the end, one yeah. scene where, Yuri's all over Victor being like, I, I, winding up on. And he's like, I, yeah, really winding up on. <laughs> nope. Pantsless with his tie around his head. <laughs> and he's like, I, like, I love you. My parents have a, a spa, basically. Come to Japan. Come to Japan. Please be my coach. Be my coach, coach. Victor. <laughs> um, so. And, and Victor, you see, he, he blushes. He gets very like verklempt yeah and then the next day to have yuri just kind of like totally ghost on him yeah it's probably very confusing until he sees him doing his performance online a few weeks later like yeah so the entire like contact everything you've seen to this point got flipped and it was just such narratively it was just such a genius move yeah um and saved victor for me because frankly i wasn't taking him at face value like a lot of other people were right um so we love yuri on ice this is not <laughs> this is not up for discussion we do need to say because i've seen a couple places yeah often held up as like you know the best anime of all time mm-hmm. is cowboy bebop so now you know the hot take alert you know take your sweater off because the hot takes are flying <laughs> okay the hottest take i've seen is the people who want to come out and be like 
Your Ice is better than Cowboy Bebop. Um, guys? Yo, that's like saying Manchester by the Sea is better than the Black Mirror Christmas special. Like, your response would be like, what? Those are completely different things. Yes, so is Cowboy Bebop and Yuri on Ice. And, and people often... Also, why can't you have both? <laughs> and and people people often think of anime as like this this thing. But anime is like cartoons or just television. Like, yeah. it's a medium. It's not a single style. It's not like noir. Like, it's not a single style of doing something. It is just a medium that you use. And to try and objectively weigh those two specifically, like, yeah. listen, I am not queer. I am not... An ice skater. An ice skater. So they're definitely, I'm, of course, if you are on part of those demos, you're going to think your on ice is the best thing ever made. I'm going to think, you know, spoilers for a 15 year old anime. I'm going to think the scene where Ed leaves Cowboy Bebop is the saddest, most heartbreaking thing with, you know, call me, call me plays and Jet and Spike both realize that Faye and Ed and the dog have all fucking left and they eat their portion of the food and then start eating Faye, Ed and Ayn's portion of the food without speaking is the most brilliantly written like expression of pain I've ever without being able to acknowledge it that I've ever seen yeah. in my life. You're not going to convince me that Yuri on Ice is better than that moment because that moment was like a spear through my heart when I watched it the first time. Y'all are having spear through your hearts moments right now with Yuri on Ice and I'm not going to be able to convince you that Cowboy Bebop is better. But we can have both. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to fire up the hot take cannon and start spraying like one is better than the other. You can have both. So just you know, cool it, everybody. Um, You said you had a shit ton of updates. I just want to get one more out there before yeah. we go. Um, So I'd heard this about this show mentioned. Um, I'm still on my usuals. Uh, yeah. My, my Zetas. Zetas reaching the climax. T- turns out the Germans have made the A-bomb and it's magic. Oh. It's magic. Rooted in magic. Okay. Um, So now they've found out a way for Zeta to like... There's one episode left, so I mean we are we are at the climax of Zeta, um, Magical Girl Raising Project, the hung, aka the Hunger Games, the anime is just yeah. it, we're down to like four. Oof. That's going to reach its pinnacle. Swim, swim, you still gots to go. But one I had heard about mentioned a few times on the IGN Anime Club by the the token dude on the IGN Anime Club, which it seems odd that he would recommend this. He was he's really been into a show called Poco's Udon World. Yes. You've mentioned it to me. Poco's Udon World is a show about a dude named Sota who had left his rural hometown, moved to the big city to work as a uh, web designer, basically. It's kind of unfulfilled. Basically, living in Tokyo is the only thing he's done with his life. Right. His father dies. His mother had died many years previous. He goes home. Basically, you're just like, well, let's just sell the house and, you know, get back to, you know, doing whatever, even though he does feel unfulfilled a bit. And while he's, like, cleaning up... His father owned an udon restaurant because the region of Japan he's originally from, Kagawa, I think, is known for its udon. His father owned an udon restaurant. He's, like, cleaning things up, starting to tidy, just to get the house ready to sell it so he can go back. And he finds in one of the udon pots a toddler. Yes. Just chilling out. Just hanging out. Toddler, go like, for a nap. grabs a bag of wheat and runs off. And you come to find out later on, the toddler is actually a tanuki. All you old school Super Mario 3 players might remember as that bear-like suit that Mario wears at one point. It's a raccoon! That turns him into a statue. Yes, it's actually a raccoon dog. Actually, there is a species of raccoon dog in Japan called the Tanuki. And in folklore, it's kind of a raccoon spirit that can shapeshift and turn into statues and whatnot. And Poco is one of those. And 
he takes the form of a child, a toddler. And Sota basically just kind of starts taking care of him. And I'd mentioned before that, like, I thought that show Sweetness and Lightning about the dad who wanted to cook better for his daughter yeah. was, like, super comfy. This is way better than that show. Um, the comfiest? Yes. As Caitlin put it, is it the sweatpants of anime? Yes. Poco, Poco Sweetheart <laughs> World is the sweatpants of anime. Because it's doing more. It has a better cast. It's actually talking about, like, first of all, Sota's 30, which is nice. Yes. <laughs> He's not, uh, He's not in high 17. school. It's so nice to have a character that's in his 30s. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I think about things a lot more. And here you have a guy who moved away from home to the big city. Big city's just kind of been a thing that he's been doing, but there's not really much fulfillment there. And he goes home to his small rural town and finds meaning there. And we're also, it's a story about grief, it's a story about family, it's a story about fatherhood, and it is so comfy, you guys, and I binged 10 episodes in three days. You wore sweatpants for I a week. Just, I That's hug. basically... I, I came home from work, I put on the sweatpants, and watched Poco's Udon World. It has a great theme song by Weaver, who is a Japanese band I only know because they did some stuff with the Queens, which is the only reason I know any Japanese band. Also has a fun show within a show that's a kid's show that Poco really likes. And there's a short that plays at the end of every episode yep. of that show. <laughs> and also the <laughs> the next episodes are always done by like the vice governor of Kagawa. Like their tourism board <laughs> things. <laughs> and he's just kind of talking straight and it'll be like blah blah blah. When I, I used to go to the, when I was a kid I used to go to that lighthouse. It was super fun. You should come and visit it sometime. Next time. <laughs> um, and also not everybody is always like immediately enamored with poco which i liked right like he's sota's best friend who he grew up with when he sees the kid he's like what the fuck is this <laughs> like, grabs the kid, he's like shaking the kid <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so it's not afraid to put a slight edge on it like poco's not even though the kid the kid playing it it's, it's a very sweet voice and he's adorable but yeah. like i just love the fact that it's not not everybody's immediately on board with the idea of this toddler just coming into their lives yeah um which is actually a dog that sometimes sprouts fuzzy ears and a tail but Poco's hey, Udon I, World. I could only wish I could do that. If you want to chill out with some comfy sweatpants and you don't want to watch the uh, the curated episodes of Painting with Bob Ross that have been <laughs> added to Netflix, which I think is amazing, by the way. It is amazing. I did it. It was <laughs> Did fantastic. you watch it? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> Chilling with Bob Ross. They're Chill all winter-themed episodes it, of Painting with Bob Ross. It, uh, whoever gets the job of curating, <laughs> you are the luckiest son of a bitch. You just get to watch Bob Ross all day and flag which ones are seasonally appropriate. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I saw Mo Moana. Oh, how was that? It was fantastic. The music, I, the only problem was there there wasn't enough music. Usually mm. with musicals, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I get I get the point. This absolutely, there just needs to be like hours of Moana music. Um, someone said that it should be just like Hamilton, where it's like three hours straight of music. Um, really, the, the movie's about an hour and a half. It, it it's a fantastic Disney film, way better than Frozen, like so many leagues above and beyond Frozen. Um, that was the chicken. Everybody loves the chicken, sounds like. Uh, yeah, because... it's just stupid. You know who the chicken is voiced by? No, I don't. Oh, Dalton Tudyk, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> Damn, he can do a chicken voice. Um, can I add Alan Tudyk to my posse? It's the posse. It's your posse. Alan Tudyk, you're on the posse. Congratulations, Alan Tudyk. Um... Anyways, so yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. The Rock is amazing in it. Well, he's um, awesome and amazing in everything. Yeah, I just you know it's just something else he's good at. Um, Owly 
Cavallo, I believe her name is, um, she, or Auli uh, I think Auli'i Cavallo, um, who is the she plays Moana. She plays Moana and beautiful singing voice. Um, it yeah, it just all around it was a great film. Um, seeing it in theaters was fantastic uh, because it's beautiful as well, like absolutely stunning. I think it's the the most beautiful. Um, cartoon animated Disney film I've ever seen. How much underwater swimming is there? Only a little. Is there a whale? No. Okay. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> I don't believe that. No. I will fucking come for you if I go watch <laughs> Moana and there's a there's whale. There's no whale. There is a giant crab. That's fine. Are they, um, on, the, are they on the beach? Uh, no. It, but they're not underwater. They're in the underworld. All right. Yeah. Um, there is some water in it, but there is nothing scary in the water. All right. Um, yeah. And it, and it was funny, too. Like, it was legitimately funny. Uh, which is always... They always do, like, kid funny. Like, like that snowman in, in Frozen. <laughs> I wish you could see my face. It's like a grimace. It's... Caitlin got no love for Olaf. Uh, no, Olaf is, he's not funny. He's stupid. He's a stupid, he should have melted. seven, he's funny. Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. The Rock is funny at all ages. Um, yeah, anyways, so that was Moana. Uh, I saw Thor finally. The first Thor movie. Oh, the first Thor. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Uh, it was good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a Rainbow Bridge, they somehow ma- na- uh, managed to, to take something called the Rainbow Bridge and make it awesome. Also, you know who's in that film? Yeah, I know. Who is it? Idris Elba. Is Idris Elba in that film? For absolutely no reason, after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because I was like, I saw an insert, like, Complex posted a still shot of of this movie on their Instagram, uh, was American Gangster, which I saw in the theaters years ago, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't watched it forever, so I just started watching American Gangster. You know who else is in that movie? Idris Elba. Denzel pops him right in the fucking head in the middle of the street. Yeah. Poor Idris Elba. He ain't there for long, but he's in that movie. Uh, we should just make a list of all the things that Idris Elba turns up in. One day we're just going to work through everything Idris Elba's ever been in. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Where'd you find all that time? I don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes you, you haven't had updates for like three weeks. I, You know what? It's pockets. Sometimes there's just like pockets of time we find. Oh, we were supposed to go out with uh, senior correspondent's grandma. Mm. And unfortunately, she had a head cold. So she didn't feel up to going shopping. That's why I don't have my shopping now. <laughs> um, so I found some poc- a pocket of time in there. And uh, I don't know. I, I we may- Oh, we went to go see Moana on a Monday night. Because <laughs> we were like, we're not in a great mood. Let's go see a movie. And also go into Monday Night Movies. Amazing. Can you support that? Nobody's there. <laughs> we basically had, it was us and one other family had the had the film all to ourselves. It was like being in a giant living room. It was great. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's sort of where I find the time. Well, there you go. Well, that's about going to do it for us today, friends. All of our socials are at GeekDownPod on Twitter at GeekDownPod, Tumblr, GeekDownPod.tumblr.com. As well, our Facebook group is www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. You can send us Christmas wishes if you like. <laughs> Bring us tidings, y'all. Yeah, tidings of stuff that's going on. <laughs> because this is your last in-time episode. Starting next week, we are out of time. We are out of time and space. Man, what am I going to do without without my weekly Caitlin drop-ins? Get stuff done. I guess. Clean. Sleep. 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 Not have Pop-Tarts. (laughs) 
<laughs> Caitlin brought me Pop Tarts. It was amazing. I haven't had Pop Tarts since I was like 22. Do you want to know if I'm back about Pop Tarts? Of course I do. Vegan. Really? Vegan AF. I was so excited. We got a three. We went to Costco, got a three box of Pop Tarts. <laughs> it's been the best week of my life. Well, shouts to Pop Tarts. Uh, so that is just going to do it for us, friends. Not only for today, for the year, you're still going to get your episodes. It's us, but for us, this is our this is our last hangout single tier. But we'll be back next week for you with our. Even though the past two weeks have been Christmassy, for the actual Christmas episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. As you do every week, it really means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson, and my name is Caitlin Kiddo. And we will join you next week for another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. See you next week. a chain from like my wallet to oh my, yeah, yeah you did and it got lodged in between the seats and i couldn't get out um that's pretty freaky yeah and then and of course uh, embarrassing which is my life <laughs> it's just one embarrassing moment after another You're like no my image <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh